Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast, presented by Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, J.J. Jerez. With me, of course, Arif and the man with the master plan, Steady P. Patrick Steadman. Dang, that one came out smooth, Arif. Did you like that one? Here we are, coming to you after the 3-2 overtime loss to the Minnesota Wild. It's kind of a crazy game that we watched there. I mean, uh, the avalanche came out of the gate, really kind of ran the show, just weren't able to get a, a goal past Talbot, then took the game over and then let it slip. We saw some weird fights. We saw Tyson Jost get tossed in the board. That wasn't too so weird, but yeah. just kind of a weird game and honestly just a weird week that has been for the Colorado Avalanche. So, yeah, let's start with the game before the week and this wasn't the type of game when you're playing a Minnesota team coming off of a back-to-back in an early start, that was a 5 p.m. local start in Minnesota, and the Wild played late last night. That's the kind of game where you got to get on them early, especially for a team that I believe has won, had won five straight games going into this, is now on a six-game winning streak. The Minnesota Wild are looking really, really good. Cam Talbot was coming off of a shutout, and he shut out the Avalanche for two periods before Nazem Kadri broke the, broke the streak. So for the Avs, this was the type of night where you needed to get going early. They got the shots. They got the opportunities. They could not solve Cam Talbot, and that was the difference. They were trailing one nothing, entering the third. They had a little glimmer of hope there with the Kadri goal, followed by the power play goal, and then the Wild clawed back in with five or six minutes left, which is another thing that, again, this is a team that played last night. You cannot let that happen. They clawed back in. Obviously, the late penalty to Eric Johnson, overtime winner right away. That was it. How much of Cam Talbot's performance do you attribute to I guess the Colorado Avalanche maybe failing to really beat him and how much do you think and I I guess what I'm really trying to say is I like to think that the recent Marc-Andre Fleury trade has maybe ignited a little bit better Mm -hmm. play in Camp Talbot but at the same time we know there was some I guess observations from Coach Bednar and Miko Rantanen following that game. Yeah so in regards to the Camp Talbot thing Uh, he's had a little bit of a on and off season. He started really well and then he fell off the cliff pretty much the same time the wild did, which is like winter classic until March 1st. Uh, And it ended with, I believe it was four consecutive losses in late February to the Panthers, to the jets, to the Ottawa senators and to the Calgary flames where he let in four or five goals every and to the Philadelphia flyers where he let in four to five goals every single game. Then The trade deadline is kind of creeping up. Before the trade deadline, he started a winning streak, and he's now won, I believe, it's seven consecutive games. But since trade deadline day, he's won three straight games where he's only surrendered four goals. So Cam Talbot, yes, he kind of started to get on a little bit of a heater prior to the deadline. And then since Marc-Andre Fleury came in, and by the way, Flowers won and oh, he played last night. Uh, Talbot said, I'm not giving up the crease. So... That's exactly what you want. If you're the if you're the Minnesota Wild, I almost said Pittsburgh Penguins because I don't know where the hell Flurry plays anymore. If you're the Minnesota Wild, <laughs> you want both your goalies to kind of inspire competition. You want Cam Talbot to be at his best and Mark Andre Flurry, every guy's guy, the best team player you can have in the NHL today, is going to be there to push him to go the extra step. Now the comments from Miko Ranton in post game, he said to reporters, "Real quick, real quick, let's hear it." 
don't you think that's kind of comparable to what we've seen in Colorado, right? It wasn't until Pavel mm-hmm. Francouz came back and was fully healthy that you saw Darcy Kemper oh. turn it up a notch as well and start getting his shutouts. There it is. That's that's exactly what it is. And you don't even realize it's happening until it happens. Like, that's just the way life is. I mean, don't, don't we always, you know, you, you can be a guy, you're, you know, dating some girl, and then as soon as you know somebody else is interested in your girl, that's when you're going to take it a little more seriously. That's kind of the vibe you get. Like, if you're Darcy Kemper, uh, you know, that's pretty much what it was. There's no snowball's chance in hell that you can play bad enough for Jonas Johansson to take the crease away from you. Then there was a little bit of talks where it's like, oh, maybe the Avalanche should trade for Marc-Andre Fleury, some other guy. And Kemper probably was like, okay, shit, maybe it's going a little too far. <laughs> but as soon as Pavel Francouz came back and then uh, Darcy Kemper had that injury in late December, yes, it's absolutely the same exact thing. So when it comes to Marc-Andre Fleury and Cam Talbot, Jared, or sorry, when it comes to Jer- uh, Cam Talbot tonight, uh, Miko Rantanen made a comment post-game to reporters and Jared Bednar agreed with him. He said... We didn't make we didn't make life difficult enough for Cam Talbot. There, there wasn't enough traffic in front of the net. So the Avalanche had 42 shots, 14 in each of the three periods. Cam Talbot coming off of a game where the Wild played last night, coming off of his own personal six-game winning streak, shut down the Avalanche 28 shots in two periods with the Avs playing on the road and playing pretty damn well. And uh, it just looked like they were getting a lot of nice chances. And yes, he did make some good saves, but they could have made it a little bit more difficult on him had they had that traffic in front of the net, fighting in front of the crease and really making it harder for him to see the puck. Yeah, I mean, you you say all that and one name comes to mind, right? I mean, yep. you, you think of the old captain that they're missing out of the lineup, and it seems to be every time he's out of the lineup, suddenly the entire squad forgets that they need traffic in front of the net, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like this is his sole job and it's his job only, but... We also saw him being missed in other facets of the game, right? I don't think McKinnon drops the gloves against Matt Dumbo with Gabe Landeskog on the ice. Funny thing, though, as you saw in the replay with that fight, McDermott is standing right there in the background cheering Nate on like, whoa, yeah, let's go hit him. Come on, hook, hook, jab, jab. I don't know if he was coaching him that, you know, hands on. But it it was funny to see McDermott in the background of the fight and also Kind of cool to see McKinnon get to square up, right? I feel like most of his fights are kind of reactionary and like, all right, I'm in your face, you're in my face, let's go. Where this one was like, let's drop the gloves, get to square up like an actual fighter does. But again, back to my point, no Gabe Landeskog. You hate to kind of see Nathan McKinnon dropping the gloves. I've never seen that with Nathan McKinnon before, like you said, and it's one of those things. it, It was one of those things where like as it was happening, you get this like, sinking feeling in your heart mixed with excitement like holy shit this is going down but also this is nathan mckinnon one punch goes wrong and that's your superstar your season's pretty much over like the after the fight he's holding his hand right and he's icing his hand in the box not mckinnon's season's over the entire team like your season is over because mckinnon and dumba locked up right there and kind of were able to square up so it's really funny when you when you mentioned the mcdermott thing i didn't even realize he was there in the background but the funny thing when you do that is like mcdermott's on this team and we know why he's the enforcer he's the guy that's going to come in and stick up he's a hell of a fan favorite people love him when he spoke to media the other day we're kind of were asking him after the philadelphia game we're like hey dude like how does it feel to like have won over the crowd here? He's like, I don't know, man. I just, I do what I do. Like that's, it's the type of role he plays. But like, if you're McKinnon and Rantanen gets hit in that moment, if Landis was there, this is exactly what you're referring to. 
Landeskog's jumping in to fight the guy. And it's not like Landeskog is some scrub where you're like, yeah, yeah, let's keep McKinnon safe and send Landeskog after him because if he gets hurt, who cares? Because we're talking about Landeskog being out of the lineup and that's why the Avalanche can't generate any traffic in front of the net. But Landeskog has owned that role. That's what makes him the captain that he is. That's what makes him the player he is. This is why he was such a stud with the Kitchener frickin' Rangers way back in like 09, 10, and 11 when he came from Sweden because he played this role as a European coming fresh out of Sweden that didn't even know the language and kind of grew into this reputation where you expect it from him. And we've seen it over and over again. We saw it when he fought Braden Shen in the playoffs last year and that we've seen it many times this year. Now, the funny thing is with Nathan McKinnon, when you see your guy get hit like that, Miko Rantanen got hit. It looked like it was a high hit. Jared called it a clean hit. I honestly haven't looked at the replay. Um, when you get hit, when you see your teammate get hit like that, and knowing Landis Gog's not there, when you're Nathan McKinnon, you're a competitor and you're feisty and you're someone who you know sticks up for your teammates as much as we like to laugh about McKinnon being like all about himself, himself. He really isn't. In the end, he's a team player. When you see your guy get hit like that, you're not going to look around and be like, all right, is McDermott on the ice? Okay, hey, uh, Curtis, this is your job. No, you're just going to jump in in the moment. And that's just kind of the way that he is. So it's funny that McDermott was on the ice there. And it's funny that McKinnon reacted before Curtis did. But that's the kind of player he is. But going back to the original point, like if Landeskog is playing, Landeskog's generating more traffic in front of the net. Landeskog is the guy that uh, Miko Rantanen is talking about when he says that we didn't make life difficult on him in front and creating traffic in front of him. And Landeskog is the guy sticking up for Miko when Miko gets hit like that. At the same time, I'm not sure Dumba drops the gloves with a guy like McDermott, right? He could just easily <laughs> skate away and say, hell yeah. no, I'm not fighting you. Well, yeah, that's not really going to be a fight. That's going to be more of your enforcers jumping the Minnesota player. So you're probably going to end up shorthanded. But yeah, I'm with you on the point on McKinnon, right? I mean, what are we saying about Gabe Landeskog here? He's the guy that normally jumps in there because he's the leader. He's the guy that puts that on his shoulders and kind of, you know, if he has to get punched in the face for his teammates, he will. And I think that's the mindset that Nathan McKinnon is trying to approach that with. It's more of a leadership. He's not doing anything selfish. He's not saying, oh, I just want to fight because it's fun and I think it's cool. He's trying to take on more of a leadership role. He's trying to prove to everybody, right, because there's a lot of stone throwers at, at Nathan McKinnon, that he is maturing, he is growing up, and he's becoming more of that team mentality type of player. Yeah, 100%. And it's kind of we've seen him go through the waves this year where he started off a little bit. It's funny. I'm going to say he started off with a bad season, and he really didn't. He's been scoring. He's been recording points at a career pace all year. This is not something that just started. The goals just started. But in the beginning of the year, he started off inconsistent, not in terms of scoring, but in, in terms of being in and out of the lineup. So he was in the lineup. He was out of it. And we were talking, you know, back in January, even, you know, early February after that crazy run in January about how Kale McCarr is the MVP of this team. And it's not because Nathan McKinnon's not having a good season. It's not because Nathan McKinnon suddenly has fallen to like less than a point per game player. But it's because McKinnon just was in and out of the lineup. And even during the month of January, when the Avalanche were on that crazy run, it was that collision with Taylor Hall that knocked McKinnon out of the lineup again. So, of course, Kale being the steady force that's been there every single game, scoring goals as at the pace he's been scoring on, breaking Avalanche records for goals in a single season, we're like, yeah, Kale's the MVP. But with Nate, what we're seeing now is now that he's consistently playing, now that he's in the lineup every single night, you can see that frustration of his inconsistent season in terms of playing kind of wither away. And with that, the trade deadline has passed. And with that, the 
fact and like the feeling and the reminder that the playoffs are right around the corner has also passed. And now he's kind of getting into that mode where it's like, all right, we got to buckle up or me personally, I got to buckle up. I got to get into the McKinnon mode that I know I can get into time to take that next step. The kid's 26 years old. Like he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's a freaking whole ass adult. This is the time for him to take that next step, to take on that leadership role. And let's not take into account that like other stars in the NHL, Steven Stamkos, Brad Marchand, all these other guys that have spoken out publicly about this. Nathan McKinnon's another guy that was frustrated as all hell about the fact that the Olympics came and went and the NHLers weren't part of it. So that's all in the past now. His injury issues are in the past now, hopefully, knock on wood. Now it's the time and now we're seeing Nathan McKinnon's frustrations kind of settle and the real guy step in and kind of take that next step maturity-wise heading into this playoff run, which is literally in like 37 days. It absolutely is the time for them to kind of turn that gear up a little bit, right? I mean, they've got five weeks to go, 15 games, and a lot of the teams they're playing are still fighting for their playoffs, li- playoff lives while the Avalanche are kind of just waiting for these playoffs to start, and that's a dangerous slope to be sliding down, right? You don't want to be playing the wrong wrong style of hockey heading into the playoffs. So fortunately, this team tends to go as Nathan McKinnon goes. So I think if Nathan McKinnon does start turning it on, does start taking that leadership role, the rest of the team will respond. And we saw it in that Minnesota game. He gets in that fight. And okay, of course, all of us, the pessimists saying, you idiot, what are you doing getting that fight? You're going to hurt yourself. But what does it actually do? It sparks the team to come back and, and get back in that game. Kadri, you know, turns a switch on himself as he would, likely do in a scenario like that right he gets riled up during the uh during the festivities like that it gets him going so he turns his game up a notch and suddenly the avs are taking control of that game yeah it's funny i uh late in the game there with the minnesota wild when they got the power play because eric johnson um we'll get into this penalty but he recklessly hit tyson jost into the boards uh, Peter McNabb mentioned something along the lines of, you know, there's 25 seconds left. The Avalanche got to kill these 25 seconds to get it to overtime to basically secure that one point and then see what happens in OT. And I'm like, they really don't need to secure that one point. Like if you're going to lose because of a power play goal from the wild, whether it's in regulation five on four, whether it's an overtime four on three, like you're going to lose Minnesota Wild's going to get two points. Whether you get one or zero, you are so far ahead of the rest of the league, the rest of the West, it really genuinely doesn't matter. So yes, the Avalanche do go as McKinnon goes, and right now they need Nathan McKinnon to kind of set that example of like, hey guys, I know we're almost at 50 wins, we're almost at 100 wins, we are or 100 points, we are way ahead of the rest of the West, we are way ahead of the rest of the NHL, well, not way ahead, but we're beating the Panthers, we're beating the Hurricanes, so on and so forth, we still need to make sure we play our game. Now, we see this every single season. There's always a team that brings in two, three, four new guys at the trade deadline, and it kind of ruffles with the chemistry a little bit. The Avalanche did it at the exact same time Sam Girard and Gabe Landeskog went down with an injury. So those are two guys that play over 20 minutes a night, plus you brought in Manson, plus you traded Jost for Stern, plus you brought in uh, Andrew Cogliano, plus my sources say that Arturi Lekkinen was acquired, but I haven't seen him, so I don't even know if the guy is a real person or not. That's a lie. I talked to him at Family Sports, but obviously his immigration issues have kept him out of the lineup for these last three games since he arrived in Denver. But bringing in all these new guys to ruffle the chemistry, plus taking Tyson Joe, Sam Gerrard, and Gabe Landeskog out of the lineup has kind of given the avalanche a little bit of this weird feeling where it's like, you know this is your team. This is the team that 
is really, really good and has been leading the NHL all year, but there's a lot of new faces. So I think the good part about the Avalanche doing that, being in the position that they're in, is now they have 15 games to work out the kinks of letting these new guys settle into their spots. Artery Lekkonen's going to join the lineup. Hopefully Landis Gogs before the end of... Landis Gog returns before the end of the regular season. The Bowen Byram wildcard is still up in the air. He is with the team on the road trip. Like, Bo is getting close to coming back too. So it's kind of the perfect storm where now the Avalanche have something to play for. They have adversity to deal with over these last 15 games, and it's working in the new guys working in these guys coming back from injuries and really getting locked and loaded and peaking at the right time, like you said, in five weeks at the end of this 15-game regular season stretch. Right. I think with uh, Bo and Byram's case, I think there's still people out there saying, ah, I don't I don't anticipate him coming back this season, but I don't think he goes on these trips if he's not nearing a comeback yeah. at some point or another. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. with- and it's it's going to go back really quick on the Bowen Byram thing because people still to this day tweet me about it. It's going to go back to what I said from the very beginning. Uh, it's not for you, me, Patrick, or any of the listeners to decide if Bo needs to take the year off to focus on his health. It's literally for him to decide. You know he doesn't want to. Uh, you know he doesn't want to. You know he, he wants to play. Okay, you know he, he wants to play, but you also know that this kid is really, really young. What is he, 20, I believe? He's a 21. He's a 20-year-old kid that had the balls two months ago to go to the head coach and the GM and say, I'm going home. In the middle of a regular season run in his rookie season, obviously he played last year, but he's still technically a rookie. In his rookie season, when he's been busting ass on the team that's now first in the NHL and about to pretty much repeat as President's Trophy winners unless something goes wrong, he had the balls as a 20-year-old to go to his coach and GM and say, I got to go home. That's not something kids do every single day. So you know he gives a shit about his personal health. But again, it's not for you, me, or the listeners to decide. If Bo comes back, it's because Bo is ready to play. Whether it's now or whether it's October, it's an arbitrary date. If he gets hurt again, he would have gotten hurt again in October if he comes back now and gets hurt again. So that's just something that I need to kind of get out there because it's just it's over and over again. People are like, well, Bo needs to sit for the rest of the season. He should focus on his health. Of course he's focusing on his health. He hasn't played since January for a reason. He walked away from hockey as a 20-year-old on the best team in the NHL. So I'm done with that rant. Sorry, <laughs> go back to what you were saying. <laughs> kind of uh, cut you off there. No, that's all right. I was going to get into the new guys, right? I mean, as these... As our listeners are listening to this episode, chances are it's Monday and it's a full week since the trade trade deadline happened. So let's look at how these guys have acclimated so far. Of course, Josh Manson got the head start and uh, so did Nico Sturm. Andrew Cogliano now in the mix. Like you said, we're still waiting on Lekkanen. Only Manson and Cogliano have tallied a point, both with one assist. Nico Sturm still looking for that. How do you feel the three guys that have gotten the chance to play have fit in so far? So Josh Manson, you can tell he's kind of slowly getting acclimated in still. He's had a couple of bad turnovers. Um, it happens. But, you know, and, and he's been playing around that 15, 16. I think today he played 17 was the most minutes he's played since getting acquired. Um, the big thing with Josh Manson is who's he playing with right now? He's playing with Eric, with sorry with Jack Johnson on the second pair because he was started with Ryan Murray. Murray went down with an injury. Your second pair, I mean, think about this right now. Other than Makar and Taves, your second pair is the new guy with Jack Johnson. Your third pair is Curtis McDermott and Eric Johnson. It's 
pretty thin on D right now. Like without Bowen Byram, without Sam Gerrard, and without Ryan Murray, who the last two months has had an incredible kind of turnaround to a season. Not two months, more like four or five weeks. Ryan Murray had been starting to play really, really well until that before that injury knocked him out of the lineup, and he's going to be out for a while. So like, for starters, Manson wasn't brought in to play top four minutes alongside Jack Johnson. Manson was brought in to play top four minutes alongside either Sam Gerrard or Bo Byram. He's supposed to be the guy that sits back and lets this offensive young weapon do offensive young weapon stuff. So, yes, he's trying to get acclimated, but he's also playing with a guy that he probably shouldn't be playing with and playing a lot of minutes with him. So I don't think Manson has looked great, but this goes back to my rant like five minutes ago. The Avalanche are facing a little bit of adversity right now, and it's getting these guys acclimated to the team while getting the guys that come back from injury ready to go. The good thing is we know Sam Gerrard's injury is pretty much on schedule. It's been about two and a half weeks since he went out with the injury. And when we asked Jared about it last week, Jared told us that the four-week timeline is still looking pretty accurate. So he should be back pretty soon. So I don't want to say Josh Manson's been terrible and people have been bashing him for a couple of bad turnovers, but obviously he could be better and I think he will be better. Nico Sturm is giving you what Tyson Jost gave you, but with better face-off numbers. It's not like Tyson Jost was putting up points in four or five games. You know, Nico Sturm hasn't had a point in the five games he's played. It's not like Jost was putting up three or four points every five-game stretch. Nico's here to play on the PK, which he is, which it's hilarious because him, Cogliano, and Manson are kind of all on the ice together for a P- for a PK, and it's all the new guys. So... He's been fine. He's been winning a lot of face-offs. He's been doing his thing. He's a big body. He's got a little bit of an aggressive and physical game to him. And he's tenacious. I mean, there was that game the other day where on the breakaway, he dove and he tried to poke the puck in past the goalie. And, you know, you can kind of see him busting his ass off. So I'm really liking Nico Sturm so far. And Cogliano has fit into exactly what you expected from him. Darren Helm with more skill. And seeing Helm and Cogliano together on that fourth line with Abe Kubel, they were actually pretty damn good the other day. And then they got even better when uh, Abe Kubel and Logan O'Connor switched spots. They played pretty dang well together. So I think Cogliano kind of complements what this team needs, like to the T on the fourth line. And then obviously the biggest of the four acquisitions, in my opinion, is Arturi Lekkanen. And he's the guy that hasn't played yet. They're waiting for immigration to clear. It looks like the Avalanche are pissed right now with what's going on with that. Um, when I asked Jared about it after the Philadelphia game, he kind of like rolled his eyes at me. He didn't want to talk about it anymore. And it was kind of like, well, we've done everything we can on our end. And right now we're just waiting for immigration to give us the green light. Like there's obviously he's here, he's practicing, he's playing, and they just won't let him dress in the games. And if things don't get figured out by tomorrow, the Avalanche are flying to Calgary. He can't even go with them back to Canada because of this immigration issue. So he would have to fly back to Denver. They go to Calgary and then he meets them here for the game on Thursday. So it's kind of becoming a little bit of a shit show. So we'll see on that guy because that's the big one. That's the guy that should be playing top six minutes right now with Landis Gog out. But in terms of the other three guys, Cogliano has fit in like a glove. Sturm has progressed really well. Manson needs some time. But his position in this lineup and the guy he plays with is going to change very, very soon. And that will help immensely. Yeah, I mean, it's really tough to have the trade deadline so late in the season because you only have what these five, six weeks to figure it out. And if you don't figure it out, you're kind of screwed when you need it most or or you just kind of have to move on accordingly. So that's a challenge right there. But I look at Nico Sturm when I say something like that. Right. I think we're all kind of expecting him to do big bigger things than he's done. I wouldn't say we're st- expecting him to come in and be amazing, but 
a little more would be nice, but he's been great in the face-off dot, which is where he was really brought in to shine, right? That was the, the main thing he was brought in to do, and he's outperforming a guy like Tyson Jost, who they switched for him, right? And it, how good was it to see Tyson Jost get beat so cleanly against Nazem Kadri on that, um, I think it was the tying goal? And and then I think, yeah, yeah, it was the tying goal because then Felino lost to Kadri on the uh, game on the goal that they scored to put them ahead that they eventually lost. So Kadri cleaning up the face-off dot. Nico Sturm obviously strengthens the face-off dot a little bit. And then you're seeing JT Comfort perform a little bit better at that facet as well. So, um, yeah, I guess from there, let's just get into Kadri's game because he had a big night and he's kind of been carrying some weight lately. Yeah. Really, yeah, really quick before we get to Kadri, let me just say one thing on Nico Sturm. Um, the expectation from him offensively shouldn't be as high as we're saying. He's got a little bit more offensive push to him than Tyson Jost has had the last few years. But in his final 14 games with the Minnesota Wild, he had a grand total of one goal and zero assists. So we need to kind of chill out on him being the guy that's going to come in and put a lot of points on, you know, on the board. But also with the Avalanche now, he's played five games. He played 15 minutes, 11 minutes, 11 minutes, 15 minutes, and 13 minutes. Um, I think there was a 12 in there too. I kind of mixed that up a little bit. But he's played a lot of minutes. And he's playing a lot on the PK. He had four shots against the Flyers. That should have been the game where he got his first goal. But he's a defensive stalwart, and that's what he was brought in to do. Archery Lekin is the guy that was brought in to pitch in more offensively. But obviously, we'll see him whenever uh, immigration decides to let him play. But yes, let's... But all I'm saying is, you know, you look at Andrew, Andrew Cogliano, he's the same thing. He's not exactly an offensive mastermind and even he's got an assist so you'd like to see a guy like nico sturm chip in i'm not saying he needs to carry weight yeah. but i'd like to see an assist here and there and i'd like to see him get away from a minus one which he is currently yeah no that's true that's understandable and i just think that as the lineup kind of takes shape with lekin and alandis gog and these guys coming back in it'll it'll make it a little bit easier for him to get into that nazim nazim Nagum, kadri nazim <laughs> that was good, that last thank you, one. Thank you. But we'll go with Nazem. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's get into him. Like I said, he's been playing some really good hockey lately. And, um, you know, he, it's kind of been a, a good year for him. We kind of saw him disappear for a couple games, but he got right back into it, which I think is the best thing to see, right? If you're not keeping that consistency, at least when you do drop, you pick yourself right back up. Yeah, so the thing with Nazem Kadri is he, he peaked pretty damn well in November, December, and January. He was putting up points every single night all night, just having a hell of a season, man. He's at 81 points. He can't even play 81 games this year because he's already missed more than one game. So Nazem Kadri has solidified that he's going to be a point-per-game player this year. Like, it is incredible what he's doing. He went on a little bit of a... He, he kind of slowed down a little bit there offensively in February. And the funny thing is, you know, we've mentioned this before. He had, like, nine assists in 10 games. And we're like, pick it up, Kadri. He's got nine yeah. points in 10 games. Like you get nine points every 10 games. You're putting up 60 points and, you know, 60 plus points in a regular season, but he had zero goals. And then there was a stretch where he had like two goals and 11 assists for 13 points in 15 games. So again, right about at a point per game pace, but the standard has changed with him because of how damn good he's been this year that when he's scoring at that kind of a level, you expect to see a little bit more from him. Well, what he's done the last two games is, is he's picked it up. He's brought it like against the Philadelphia Flyers. It was all him. Did you know, by the way, that Philadelphia Flyers game, and this is going to sound funny to say it out loud, that was his first career Gordie Howe hat trick. So I don't know how he's never in one of the days where he's gone into a fight. And I also looked it up. He's only had 14 career fights. It feels like he's already had 10 with the Avalanche. He's at six with the Avs, and he had eight with the Leafs. 
if you ask me, it looked like he definitely knew that going into <laughs> yeah. that fight, right? And you, when yeah. when the fight is the last thing you need to complete the Gordie Howe hat trick, and you end up skating down the rink without a stick in your hand, I think you're you got the Gordie Howe hat trick on your yeah. mind. Somebody somebody asked uh, Curtis McDermott the other day. It's like, hey, when you score a goal, do you ever think about the Gordie Howe hat trick? He's like, no. And then he stops and he goes, but but I should. But obviously, he still has to get the assist. Uh, it was actually funny, really quick side note. Somebody asked Curtis McDermott about like scoring, you know, you don't, you, you know, it's, how does it feel when you pitch in on the score sheet? Like when you actually get to score a goal, he goes, you know, it's really fun. Cause it doesn't really happen often. And I don't know why, but Kel McCarr was beside him and just goes, <laughs> and just like starts laughing at that kind of like, <laughs> hey, you loser, you don't score goals. And it was really funny. And I kind of looked, I was like, and then you, you got this like feeling that Kel McCarr felt like embarrassed for doing that because well, you wouldn't you couldn't tell if he was blushing though because yeah, he was already red because his cheeks were already red but yeah he kind of like Kel McCarr being the the good boy he is he kind of had that look of like oh my god I just did that out loud I am so sorry he was probably <laughs> walking back to the locker room with Curtis like I am so sorry I did not mean to do that I am I so sorry it. I swear to god I'm sorry um please don't shove me in a locker please don't kill me uh <laughs> I remember during uh when we were in Detroit for the the Red Wings Avalanche game we were out by the locker rooms waiting for the players to, you know, do our little one-on-one media sessions. And Curtis McDermott walks by myself and Peter Baugh. And he's, you know, full gear after the morning skate, wearing his skates and walking on, like, the carpet to the locker room. And he walks by us, and Peter and I, both of our heads just go up looking up at how tall he is wearing his full hockey equipment, goes into the locker room. And Peter goes, he's a big guy. I'm like, yeah, much bigger than I thought. He goes... I hope he can't hear what we say about him in the in the press box. I'm like, yeah, me too. It's just scary, <laughs> scary looking guy. But uh, let's go back to Nazem Kadri. So yeah, it it kind of looked like he was he was kind of vouching for that Gordie Howe hat trick, and uh, he's been on a little bit of a run here. I mean, he had a goal against San Jose. He had an assist against Edmonton. Added a goal against Vancouver, and then three points against Philly. Two points against Minnesota. But it's not just the points that he's put up the last two games. It's opening the scoring both times. Against Philly, he got the first goal, and it was a hell of a shot where he used a defenseman as a screen to beat Carter Hart. And against the Minnesota Wild, you're trailing one nothing on the road going to the third period, and who else but Nazem Kadri to get the guys on the board. So it's actually funny. If Kadri was the guy to fight, it would have been consecutive Gordie Howe hat tricks for him. So what we're seeing from Nazem is he's picking it back up. And we always talk about you know our players peaking too early, our teams peaking too early. It's a fun conversation to have. But players don't think of it that way because as a player, you're like, well, what do you want me to do? Like play shitty in October, a little less shitty in January, and then my best in April? Like we're not programmed like that. We're going to go out and play our asses off every single night. And if that means we go on a 15-0-1 in January and then lose to Arizona on February 1st, like it is what it is. It happens. So he – but, you know, again, I'm not a player. We're in the media. We have a podcast. So we are going to talk like this. Nazem Kadri is peaking again at the right time. This is exceptional timing for him to be playing this well. He's up to 81 points. He's up to 26 goals. He is one of the best forwards in the NHL this year. Full stop. No question about it. And he's doing it all over the ice. And uh, I think it's awesome. I think it's exactly what the Avs need. The Avs go as Nathan McKinnon goes. And Nathan McKinnon has been going. But your second line center is this guy. Last year in the playoffs, your second line center was Tyson Jost. I've said this over and over again. This is a deep team when these guys are playing well. 
No, I like that. I think Nazem Kadri does deserve the respect. And I think I might be the first person to ever say this on a podcast, but I think one thing he's really bringing to the table that I like is his attitude right now. I mean, you look at his body language. Mm-hmm. He's so team first right now, right? I mean, he gets excited about anybody scoring a goal. If he's scoring the goal, you can tell the elation isn't because he's just adding more to his thousand points that he's scoring this year it's because he's putting his team in a better chance to win and I think you saw that tonight during uh, after his goal against Minnesota just the look on his face he was so happy to put his team back in the game more so yeah. than he was to get another goal for Nazem Kadri. and I think that's the biggest difference with him this year I mean he's got to be thinking about the dollars he's adding to that next contract. I think at a point, little bit right <laughs> it's like it's like the abs with their points though it's like at this point it's already yeah. really good and there's no way that it's gonna go any worse I don't than know. it is right I, now I have a theory. I have a theory that when we were at Ball Arena the other day, sitting up in that press box, you know that first booth right beside us where the visiting team GM is standing right there? Mm -hmm. I think Chuck Fletcher was watching Nazem Kadri beat the shit out of his team in more ways than one and was writing out that contract. And was like, oh, goal? All right, let's make this $8 million a year. Okay, a couple assists, 8.25. Fight? Philadelphia player? Fight? Broad Street Bullies? $9 million a year. I got this contract. So you ready think for it me. was kind of an audition? It was kind of an audition. I don't know if he was auditioning or if Chuck Fletcher's just ready to throw out money like he stupidly did to Suter and Parisi all those years ago with the Minnesota Wild. But uh, no, he really is being a team player right now. Like he, his attitude is unreal. The way that he's, you see him picking his spots. And this was my favorite thing about, you know, his fight the other day in Philly is Nazem Kadri could have gotten into 10 or 15 fights this year. And other than the two against St. Louis in the beginning of the season where they kept trying to make him answer for the Justin Falk thing from last year in the playoffs, this was his only fight, I believe. This is his third fight of the year and his first one since way back in October. He could have gotten into 10, 15 fights. You want to know why he could have gotten into 10 or 15 fights? Because he's playing well. He's Nazem Kadri. He's having a career year. He's helping the Avalanche. So every team that's coming into here, especially division rivals, are like, I'm going to throw that motherfucker off his game. That's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to piss him off, and I'm going to make him do the Nazem Kadri thing where he blows a fuse and does something stupid, and nobody's been able to do it. He's matured beyond belief to the point where he's he's realizing that that's happening. And that's with zero help from the refs too, right? I mean, he's we've mentioned how harassed he's been, how there's definitely been situations where he should be drawing a penalty and he's not getting the call. And um, yeah, so... He, he, Again, that's a whole nother reason that an old Nazem Kadri would have lost his marbles, and he's keeping his marbles right where they belong. March 23rd, after the game against Vancouver, where Nazem Kadri was thrown out of the faceoff circle three times, twice in the offensive zone. So we've been talking about it all year, huh? How Nazem Kadri gets thrown out of the faceoff circle quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Finally, somebody asked him about it, and he said... I'm glad you guys noticed it too. I feel like I'm not doing much different than anyone else's. So Nazem doesn't feel like he's getting the respect he deserves in the face-off dot. We saw Gabe Landeskog have to stick up for him before he kind of waved goodbye to us and said, I'm going to go fix whatever's (laughs) wrong with my knee. I still, everything about the the, the 24 hours of what happened there, um, from the day we did the hockey show, noon when the injury was announced, to the very next day, uh, or sorry, from the day before where he made those comments, to noon the next day when his injury was announced. Everything about it was just, it was a soap opera of a 24 hours there for the abs. But um, what we're seeing from Kadri is a guy that is not getting much help and he's still 
by the skin of his bones, like by the, or whatever the hell that saying is, but he's doing <laughs> everything in his power to make sure he does not lose his mind. And that's what you want from this guy. Because guess what? In the playoffs, you're going to play some teams that are going to play that kind of a game. The Minnesota Wild are a rough and tumble type of team. They're physical. That's what we saw tonight in this game. I mean, uh, the Avalanche and the Wild, in the first period, for the longest time, they had more hits than shots. And the game ended with 35 to 35 in the hit department, which Nazem Kadri had only three of them. Uh, Josh Manson had five. Go, Josh. But this is a player that is going to meet someone like the Minnesota Wild in the playoffs or the St. Louis Blues or the Dallas Stars, who the Avalanche faced a few years ago and didn't have much luck with. There's going to be physical teams in the playoffs that are going to be doing this to him all year. And what we're seeing from Nas right now is a player who is very aware. He is very aware of what's happening, and he's doing everything in his power to pick his spots. And Philadelphia was the time to, for him to pick a spot. Other than that, he's doing his thing. He's even keeled. He's scoring goals. He's putting up the points. And he's getting by by the skin of his bones. By the skin of his bones. <laughs> Let's take a quick second to talk that about our bad. friends over at Total Beverage. Guys, everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits. But did you know that they also deliver? Did you know that they have curbside pickup available? And did you know that they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything, everything you need and you more. Need. And more. Thank I want to get in on one of these, man. Draft you you missed those. Yeah, must be 21 or older. Yeah. Colorado only. Yeah. <laughs> Gambling problem? Call 1-800-JJ will buy you a Drinking beer problem? Beverage. Call Patrick and he'll drink with you. Uh, um, <laughs> all right, let's go. Uh, <laughs> we were just talking about some fights with Nazem Kadri. We were talking about Nathan McKinnon. We've brought up Curtis McDermott a few times and no fight was involved. So back to McKinnon and Kadri. Let's just have the quick conversation of... Do you feel these guys should be having altercations? Should they be dropping the gloves here down the stretch? I go back and forth on this all the time because on one hand, you love to see when your top guys stick up like that. And on the other hand, I'm going to say what Jared Bednar said the other day when we asked him about Kadri, not even McKinnon. And he said it with like a little bit of a chuckle. He said, I'm not thrilled when our skilled guys have to fight. If they want to, it's their decision. And then this is the part where he kind of started giggling. He's like, you know, so I just sit back and I hope everyone's good. No broken hands, no broken faces. And then I'm good. Once I know that's not a problem, then I'm okay with it. So you know that everybody is like, oh my God, please. Yeah. Like you're kind of like clenching, like, don't let this be the one that's the bad decision. Was it Connor McDavid that got into a fight in his last year of juniors where he punched broke a guy's helmet and broke his Everybody flipped out yep everybody flipped out like could you imagine nathan mckinnon and and dumba fighting today and uh something going wrong mckinnon slips and dumba catches him mckinnon slips his head hits the ice like something happens and you're like that fight was so unnecessary and now you're all stars out so i i kind of go back and forth because we're talking about nazim kadri being the player he is he is the player he is because he's the player that will stand up for his teammates or maybe nudge nudge wink wink is the guy that just wanted a gordy how hat trick we haven't figured that one out yet i'll have to ask him but uh he'll laugh in my face if i ask him that but uh nathan mckinnon same exact thing you know i think even Mosier and mcnab because obviously you and i are not in minnesota Mosier and mcnab 
mentioned on altitude how we watched the game that uh, you can tell McKinnon was a little fired up throughout the game and his frustrations were kind of getting to him. Um, so again, you don't want Nathan McKinnon. You you don't want the camera and altitude kept doing it, cutting back to the penalty box and Nathan McKinnon's holding an ice bag to his hands. Like you don't want to see that. It doesn't mm-hmm. make you feel good. So long answer to a short answer. Cause Arif makes everything a long answer. Should they be fighting? It's freaking awesome. Do I want to see him fight? No, absolutely not. There's too other guys late in the season for me. It's too much late. too late. And even when Gabe Landeskog comes back, man, like when shit like that happens, if McDermott's on the blue line, let him bull rush the player. Get the extra two. Who cares? Take the PK. Who cares? Uh, let uh, JT Comfort throw a couple fights in there. Let Andre Cogliano. We've seen him fight a little bit. Nicholas Albe Kubel. Let these guys drop the gloves. And it sounds so terrible to say that. Like, who gives a shit if Albe Kubel's head hits the ice? It's not that. It's just... Your star players, whether you like it or not, you got to protect them. That's what other sports do. That's what the NHL needs to do. And that's what these players need to do for themselves. Number two, as fucked up as this sounds, if you're on the other team and you're fighting a Nathan McKinnon, you're going to try to hurt him because you know that helps you, especially if you're the Minnesota Wild. Not that Matt Dumba was trying to hurt him, but like, think about it. Like in my head, if I'm Matt Dumba, it's like if I hit this guy with a good one, I'm going to give us a better chance in the playoffs. So you need to make sure. And nobody's going to think that if they're fighting JT Comfer or if they're fighting Andrew Cogliano. They're going to think that if you're fighting a McKinnon or a Kadri this late in the season when they are both scoring at the rates they've been scoring at the last couple of weeks. So I I don't want to see it. Not now. Not anymore. Yeah, and luckily it worked out, right? Luckily there was no serious injury. I mean, let's keep an eye on that hand. I doubt he's going to come out and say, yeah, I'm going to miss some games for this hand. <laughs> But then you also lose your best player or maybe second best player for five minutes, right? But luckily they overcame that too and were able to get a goal without him on the ice. And then your first best, yeah, your first best player, Nazem Kadri, stepped <laughs> up, right? <laughs> no, you know, you and I I'm both know Kale McCarr is the best player on this team. Um, but no, with, yeah, with, again, you just don't want to see them fighting. So many things can go wrong and, you know, punching helmets. You have such a small window of actual flesh to hit that. 90% of the places you're punching are dangerous for you. So, yeah. and, and with the team, especially with the visors, with the visors, with the visors now visors. that everybody has, like you punch right into that visor. Right. And you think about his tough. nose that he got replaced recently, right? You think about his hand that if he hinders his hand and with the team signaling last week with the trade deadline that they're going all in, this is their window. They want to win it. How disappointing would it be if all that got closed and ended because oh. of a stupid fight with Matt Dumba? But it didn't happen. We don't have to uh, cross that bridge, luckily. But, um, yeah, let's hope for the remaining 15 games we don't see any fights from those top guys. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. So um, you got the guys that can – I mean, a lot of guys in this lineup can fight. I listed a few of them. There's defenseman Josh Manson's – you know, he's a tough cookie. Jack Johnson's fought before. Eric Johnson's fought before. You have a lot of guys on this team that can fight. You don't want – McKinnon, Kadri, even Landeskog. Kale McCarr has kind of tussled with a couple guys in recent games. You don't want to see those guys dropping the gloves. No, you got a couple boneheads on the team, and sometimes they make bonehead decisions <laughs> like that, or like we saw Eric Johnson's hit late in the game, or uh, oh, you know Lord. Nazem Kadri does what Nazem Kadri tends to do. I want to ask you, what did, what did you think of the Eric Johnson hit on Jost? I think it, the, the penalty. I think Eric Johnson saw Tyson Jost going in the corner and said, okay, here's a player that we know is a little bit softer, a little bit weaker. 
I'm going to put a little bit of extra oomph into this and take him off of the puck because I know I can, right? I mean, I think Jared Bednar's comments right after the trade were very telling, right? He didn't come out and say, Nico Sturm gives us a better chance at winning than Tyson Jost, but he kind of danced around it. What he said, what he did say was, I like the big bodies. They can play the defensive game better than maybe a smaller center would. And that's yeah. where he pretty much said. So, you know, I think that's kind of the mindset around Jost from this team. They just think he's somebody that gets pushed around easily. So Eric Johnson said, I'm going to push him around and I'm going to win the battle on this puck. And he maybe took it a little bit too far. Yeah, and you kind of saw when Eric Johnson got up and he was like arguing, screaming at the ref and then screaming at Tyson. Tyson just was just laughing like, dude, you just buried me into the boards. Yeah. Uh, Tyson just got rid of the, the the big helmet he was wearing for getting that puck up high. I think last game, I think yesterday was his first game with just the regular visor again. But uh, yeah, you kind of, you got, you got the, I, I got the same vibes. I know Jared kind of said it after the game, he didn't like the penalty and no comment. I mean, I don't like the penalty and no comment from the sense of in in this day and age and this NHL and the year of our Lord in 2022, they don't call penalties late in the game for things like that. Um, but at the same time, like it, it's a penalty. Like he he got him into the boards. He pretty much hit him in his numbers. There was a player that was kind of falling as he was going down. And uh, you kind of got that feel even with the guys on TV. It was like, oh, that's, uh, you know, Johnson hits Joseph penalty. And then they waited for the replay. And then the replay happened. And like Mosier and McNabb went silent for like one Mississippi, two Mississippi. And then McNabb goes, yeah, that's a penalty Eric Johnson gets for being stronger. And that's pretty much what you just said. Mm -hmm. Like he, he knew that Tyson Jost was a player that, you know, I mean, let's face it. Tyson Jost doesn't have a lot of meat on him. He's not a big guy. Eric Johnson's a much bigger forward and, or a much bigger defenseman. And he, he put him into the boards and bad timing. And and you knew right when that penalty was called the avalanche, we're going to lose. Like there was no way that the way that Minnesota has been buzzing, the way their offense has been rolling. It's crazy, man. Minnesota's the third best scoring team in the NHL behind the Florida Panthers and the Colorado Avalanche. I've been alive the entire time Minnesota's been a team since the days of Marion, Gabarek, Andrew Brunette, and whatever the hell else they've had. Wes Walls, Brian Rolston, Manny Fernandez. Like, he's a goalie. He's not the one scoring. But these guys have never been goal scorers. You just knew with the way that they are now, as soon as that penalty was called the Wild, we're going to win that game. I didn't like the call. I didn't like the call because you don't call those late. But that's because refs are inconsistent, not because it was a bad call. In terms of the actual call, that's a penalty every single time. Yeah, Minnesota is looking strong. I mean, so are a couple other teams in the West, and that's what's making this playoff race really interesting, right? Let's get into the playoffs a little bit. And as it sits right now, Nashville with a win today, and uh, Dallas lost yesterday, and Vegas won yesterday, so that created a little bit of jumbling. Nashville now into that third spot in the central. So if it were to start today, Minnesota plays Nashville. I think that's a really fun and intriguing matchup between those two teams. Yeah, it's it's uh, worth noting the St. Louis Blues are only one point behind the Preds and they have two games in hand. However, Minnesota six and four in their last 10. They've got 38 wins in 66 games. The Blues only have 35 wins. They're three, four and three. They've lost two straight. So the Blues are going the wrong way mm-hmm. right now. Um but yeah, that would be a situation where Minnesota versus Nashville would be fun. Calgary versus St. Louis would be a series. And that would be a lot of fun. And then the Avalanche would get the Golden Knights, but really the Dallas Stars because the Knights have one point up on Dallas. But Dallas has four games in hand. That's a lot of games in hand. 
which team scares you more? Because out of those two teams, neither of them are historically very easy for the Avalanche to play against. And we've seen this year, even the Avalanche have struggled against both Dallas and Vegas. So which one do you kind of lean towards hoping gets that last spot? So I wouldn't say they've struggled against Vegas. They lost to them back in October. And then I think Darcy Kemper, did he shut him out twice or just beat him twice in January? Remember those two games or in February on the back end of back to back. Um, but that was a hurt Vegas team. That was a team that I, I don't think they had Leonard one game. They didn't have a lot of guys. I don't even know if they're going to get healthy. Um, historically, the Avalanche have struggled with Dallas and Vegas. Yeah, you're spot on. Those are the two teams that have eliminated them from the playoffs the last two years. Um, I think right now, if you're the Avalanche, either one of them is fine and you should win against either team. But the one that would scare me more, not that I think the Avalanche would lose, is Vegas. Because in order for Vegas to get into the playoffs, they need to go on a crazy run. They need to go like 11-3 and in these last 14 or so games. Um, And as they're doing that, they're going to get healthier. So if Vegas makes the playoffs, it's because, kind of like Winnipeg and Vancouver, which I've pretty much, like, if they pass Vegas, sure. But I don't think they're going to pass Vegas and Dallas. Um, If Vegas, Dallas, or or if, if Vegas, Vancouver, or Winnipeg make the playoffs, it's because they're going to go on a crazy historic run to make it. Dallas can just kind of, you know, waltz their way into the playoffs at this point. So I think Dallas is the team you want to play. Um, and when doing so, you need to remember that this is a team that you struggled with this year. And uh, you know what, man? There's no more easy series in the NHL. The Avalanche versus the Blues last year in the first round. We all went into it thinking this is going to be a tough one. And then Jordan Binnington tried to fight Philip Grubauer and Philip Grubauer kind of chirped him a little bit on Twitter with that picture. Memories of the first round and it was a video of Jordan Binnington getting pulled away and the Avalanche swept them. And that's what you're going to have to do, whether it's Vegas, whether it's Dallas, go into that first round, be the team you know you could be and come out of it with a series win. But if you ask me, it's Vegas that would scare me more simply because them getting into the playoffs means they're getting healthy. And them getting to the playoffs means they've gone on a crazy run. I think that's a fair point. I'll give that to you. But I, I'm going to go with the other way around. I think Dallas scares me more. One for what, In terms of play style, Dallas is the scare. Yeah, team, absolutely. Yes. Play style is definitely what scares me. I, we brought it up before. Dallas seems to have that recipe and the kryptonite that brings the avalanche down, right? Just clogging the middle, not letting anything through and throwing bodies around. Um, and yeah, just the fact that we've seen Dallas win two of the three games so far this year against the Avalanche. What I do like about it is if you remember back in February, I think it was a COVID rescheduled game. They actually had back-to-backs and they split them. I think one was 4-1, the other one was Um, 4-0. So I think that that right there just kind of tells you that if that was a first-round matchup, it's going to be a really good one. Avalanche are capable of beating them. No no stress there, but it's going to be a good series. You're going to have to bring your A game and really come out and score some goals on these guys it's crazy because like dallas really does give you like they do strike a little fear in you but they're 19th in goals for per game and they're 15th in goals against per game like they're not even like that crazy strong defensive stalwart where it's like they score a little bit but they also don't give up much like i don't know what it is when they play the avalanche they kind of have their number and I don't remember who played on his line, but Cogliano, I want to say he played with Rupe Hints, but I don't remember that for sure. Maybe it was Garyanov. There was a line that Cogliano was on in that series in 2020 that just like they shut the crap down out of the avalanche. And now you have that guy on your side. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's not going to be an easy series regardless, but I genuinely remember us talking like this about the St. Louis Blues a and, year ago. Yep. How'd that end up? <laughs> it was a pretty good ending there for the Avalanche, I want to say. Uh, yeah, so anything else you're watching in the Western Conference playoffs? I mean, obviously Edmonton sneaking in there and making a little bit of a run. I, I love to see what LA has done, right? Out of all the preseason predictions that we made, that's really the only one that I've gotten right, and it wasn't looking yeah. right for a while. Um, so yeah, anything else that you're keeping an eye on? If that Calgary-St. Louis series happens, give me give me the heck out of that series, because Calgary is so annoying and frustrating of a team that you know Bennington's going to lose his mind. <laughs> and then, uh, like, Edmonton versus L.A., like, no disrespect to either of those teams, but those two teams might get the easiest first-round series. Yeah, that's fair. Like, those are the teams that, that are... Not necessarily in points, but they are, in my opinion, you know, had the playoffs started today, Dallas and Vegas out because of the games in hand. L.A. and Edmonton are my seventh and eighth choice from the Western Conference to win the Cup, and they would get to play in the first round. So either one of those teams, you're kind of happy with that, especially the Oilers. You need a little bit of a pick-me-up to get to the second round, and if that ends up being Edmonton versus Calgary in the second round, ooh, baby, there was 9-5 to Saturday night last night on Hockey Night in Canada. That was a fun game, and the Flames fans were chanting, we want 10, and Leon Dreisaitl had a hat trick, and they lost. So that would be fun. Yeah, um, that would be amazing. But, but I'm excited. Minnesota versus uh, Nashville, that would be fun too. I, uh, After years of kind of laughing at him, I'm like super happy for what Matt Duchesne is doing this year, and and I think, uh, I think I'm excited to see him in the playoffs this year too. Yeah, yeah, you got to think St. Louis does end up in that third spot, though, right? So I would assume it's going to be a Calgary-Nashville, which isn't a bad matchup at all. But it's funny to see how Calgary seems to be Canada's favorite team, right? After all the hype around the Leafs for so long and so many years, especially coming into this year, there was a lot of hype around them, and uh, Calgary seems to be Canada's team. They do, and the difference between Calgary and Toronto right now is Calgary's got a goalie you can rely on more, but... Let me tell you this. The Calgary Flames in 65 games have 40 wins. The Maple Leafs in 65 games have 41 wins. Like, they're up there, man. Toronto's up there. They look good. Peter Mrazek looked good. If Jack Campbell can recover from this injury and be the Jack Campbell that he was before the last month of his season, uh, Toronto would be up there too. But Calgary right now has basically the best line in hockey with Lindholm, Kachuk, and Goudreau. Um, and that's no disrespect to the Avalanche guys. They have barely played together this year because of injuries. Um, but Calgary does look like the team to be in Canada right now. I'd be curious. I'm sure you don't know it off the top of your head, but how many games have Miko Ranton and Nathan McKinnon and Landeskog been together this year? I I'd be curious to find out that actual number. I don't know because even the games where they were together, there was that experimentation phase right before Landeskog's in. Mm -hmm. Remember, he was playing on the second Truth. line. So, um it hasn't been much, but when they have been together, they've still been scoring. That power play unit's still been together. Uh, but five on five, we haven't seen much of it, which is fine, because now you go into the playoffs, you put them together round one, game one, and it's like, hey, guess what? We have this secret weapon we didn't use in the season where we won 60 games or whatever the hell the Avalanche are going to end up with. So that's going to be really fun. And then when the power play comes around, you throw the three of them with Makar, with Kadri, and you go lights out. Uh Really quick, remember in the beginning of the season when Jared Bednar was so adamant on having a right-hand guy in that bumper position on the top unit and just mm -hmm. wouldn't put Kadri there? It was it was Logan O'Connor. It was all these other guys. Well, 
Kadri was there a few times. I remember watching him whiff. He was one of the guys I pointed out and said he whiffed on this. New Hooks whiffing on this. Nathan McKinnon's the only guy that can get it. And I think that's another reason why he was so pumped on that goal today. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking beginning of the season when Kadri wasn't. Oh, yeah, I yeah. thought you meant when they were ex- ex- uh, experimenting with a power play. No, 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 no. Be- beginning of the season, coming out of training camp, and in October, Jared Bednar, because mm, he yeah. had Don going on that top power play unit last year. He was trying O'Connor. He was trying all kinds of guys. JT Comfer. He wouldn't put Kadri on that top power play unit until like three weeks into the season when Kadri like took off and became over a point per game guy. Well, Nazem Kadri has 26 power play points this year. His career high before that was 19. So it's working out pretty well. He's also got six game winning goals. A lot of those have come on the power play. So Kadri, the top line, Makar, you throw him out on the power play, lights out, and then you put that three, those three together, five on five, game one, series number one of the playoffs, and suddenly, no matter who you play, Dallas, Vegas, Edmonton, Winnipeg, whoever the hell it is, they're going to look and be like, holy shit, the Avalanche have barely used this line this year, and now we're tasked with you know working against them. And here we are pumping the tires of the Calgary Flames. That's actually who we have up next here on Tuesday, the third and final matchup of the month with the Flames. It should be another fun one because uh, the first one was fun. The second one was weird because Calgary was on the second night of a back-to-back, but this one, yeah. both teams will be refreshed, should be a lot more like the first one. I would sense or hope or maybe Arturi Lekkinen plays, and if you're the Avalanche, you need all the help you can get against a team that just scored nine on Edmonton. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so, yeah. That's uh that'll do it for today. Any closing thoughts from you, Era, before we get out for the uh, first podcast of the week here? No, let's let's call it a day before we run into any more technical difficulties here. It's bit of a <laughs> bit of a rough setup here after the game. It was almost as bad as the EJ penalty there. It was about six takes for us to really get going <laughs> on this one. So I'm glad we were able to get it. Shout out and to the producer. We played the full sixty. Yeah. Yep. We got this clutch producer without him we're nothing so thank you patrick stedman and thank you to all our listeners out there for hanging out with us and enjoying our podcast and being part of this crazy year i mean i'm having a fun time watching this but i just can't wait till the playoffs hit i mean it's it's a tedious point in the season for us as followers here because abs are ready to go they're they're playoff ready so let's just get to the playoffs already um playoffs ready playoffs already let's do it Playoff ready, playoffs already. With Patrick Steady, let's go. All right, if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your heart. (laughs) Let's make hockey for everyone, and we at you.